0: Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezrat Hashem, we will be beginning. Maseches Rosh Hashanah. So we're in Daf Be'ez by the Mishnah. Arba Rosh Hashanah. There are four Rosh Hashanahs. What are you talking about? Wouldn't you think that there would just be one Rosh Hashanah, like the beginning of the year? So the truth of the matter is that the beginning of one year is, I'm going to say, arbitrary, so to speak. It's man-made. Why? Because if you're talking about the celestial beings, right, so a day has an obvious beginning and end. That's a natural beginning and end. Uh, as does a month, actually. Because a month, when you see the moon waxing and waning, you look it up later, Andrew, uh, it actually is a natural phenomenon that happens, right, as the uh, moon circles the earth. And the year is as the earth circles the sun, however... There is no actual beginning or end. Although, if you would have asked me, I would have said, "Well, the shortest day, the winter solstice, right, which is around December twenty second ish." Uh, so we'll start there. That should be the beginning of the year, and then we'll continue from there. Which is, in fact, what the Umos HaOlam have is a variation on that on that idea. Okay, but we clearly don't do that now you are going to read Daf Be'ez and Masechus Rosh Hashanah and you'll never read the Torah the same again. Because we always assume, mind you, the Torah never says the word Rosh Hashanah, ever. So where are we supposed to get the idea of Rosh Hashanah from? When, how are we supposed to know? Well, even though the Torah never says Rosh Hashanah, it always says, Bashana HaShniyah, right? It's always actually making a reference to not only the years, but the months. It'll say this will happen on the first year, on the eighth month. This happened on the second year, on the fifth month. So, okay, obviously if it's first and second and third year, so we must be talking about that there was a beginning and an end to the year. Now, whenever we're talking about that, you always assumed, Andrew, and I could tell in your eyes that you assumed this, that it meant as follows. We left, and you see, try Mitzrayim, that everybody agrees. That was on Nissan. Okay. So when you say... Uh, the second year, the third month, so you assume, okay, a full year has passed since the fifteenth of Nisan, or since Nisan, right? Because we didn't really leave on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, mind you. But let's say we left the fifteenth of Nisan, a full year has passed, and now it's uh, there's a remainder of five months. So it's five months from Nisan, so we're in Elul, okay? So that's what you always assume the Torah means when it says the second year, of the fifth month. But... That's not necessarily what it means. We'll see in our very daf today, so that's why this makes it an appropriate introduction, that we don't assume that that's what it means. Because whenever we say that it's the first or second or third year, we're always commemorating something. And even in our very daf, we have the hava mina that in the Torah itself, when we're commemorating and we're saying it's the second year, uh, it we might be saying the second year based off of tishrei, because that's right, when when the world was created. That's when the world was created. So that if what we're commemorating is Yetzirah Mitzrayim, that would be logical. And that is the Moskana of the Gemara, what the Torah is actually commemorating. However, we don't necessarily, right, assume that that's what we're commemorating because we're not really counting from Yetzirah Mitzrayim. We could be, but we might also be saying when we say what the year is, we might be saying the second year based off of New Year's having come, which is to say what we call Rosh Hashanah, which is the Rosh Hashanah that's in Tishrei. What's interesting and what can be confusing is that the months and the years are separated. Okay, so that when we say, this is the Havamina and the Gemara, and I want to say it ahead of time because it's very important. The months, when we have, let's say, the the secular New Year, right, our calendar pays no attention to the moon whatsoever. We have the concept of months, which comes from the moon, right? But the secular calendar, the, at whenever the months turn over, the moon could literally be anywhere. Nobody cares, okay? The, how That's obviously not the case for us, right? In the Jewish calendar, anytime you have a lunar calendar where you count the, the year based on, everybody's counting the year based on how long it takes the earth to revolve around the sun, but anytime you have moon based on, um, the months, based on how long it takes for the moon revolve around the Earth, you're going to always be off. The months and the year will always be off, and that's how you have to have a leap year. So, our new our uh, calendar, the Chinese New Year, also it's it's like in February sometimes, and it's some some form of second or third thing after the solstice, based on the month. But again, the Chinese New Year also. It has leap years and it's all paying attention to the moon. And so the months are turning over with the moon. So anytime the months turn over with the moon, and this is very relevant for us and comes up in our daf. Also, anytime that happens, you actually dissociate the months and the years. Those two things can be different. The reason I'm saying that is because when you read the pasuk such that When we say in the second year in the fifth month, uh, so let's say the fifth month starts from Nisan, so that it's Elul, right? The fifth month would be Elul. The Havmin and the Gemara, just so you understand, when we say the second year might might start from Nisan or might be Tishrei, that does not change what the fifth month is. Either way, the fifth month is going to be Elul. So in other words, the count of years and the count of months... In our Gemara, might actually literally be starting from two different points. In other words, you could even start counting years from Tishrei, but months from Nissan, right? It's not like you, you know, when you first learn how to divide in grade school and it says you get three remainder four. And so it's three sets of 12 months, full years, with a remainder of four months starting from the same starting point. No, not at all. Our calendar is so divided, the months and the years, such that the Gemara assumes that even when we say the fifth month of the second year, the year and the months may have started at different points. Okay, I just thought that that's important because as confusing as that sounds, it will clear up a lot of confusion in the Gemara when we read it because otherwise, uh, why would it be any different? Because we're so used to, um, you know, Rosh Hashanah being uh, what it is. Why are we talking about Rosh Hashanah now? We already learned Yuma and Sukkah are we going backwards now, Barry? So, uh, this just goes back. It's, it's one of the least satisfying pshat, but maybe it is when you're learning it, be, uh, when you're learning it balpeh. So, it just happens to be, it, it's consistent throughout shas that the bigger mesechtas with the most chapters start first and then we go down in descending order of chapters. It's like, really, why do they have to do it that way? Maybe when you're memorizing it, it teaches you, like when you're studying for a test and you have a big final, you know, like, th- this material is going to be 80% of the test. And this material is going to be 20% of the test. You tackle the big, the bigger sugyes first. So that, that that's true, not just in in uh, Seder Moed, like we have here. It's also in Seder Nezekim. If you put all the bubba's into one, and then you send hedgeron together with makos, it, it works out that way. Okay. So now are you ready, Andrew? Okay, I was just waiting for the coffee to kick in, and now we go. Okay. Says the Mishnah. Arba Roshe Shanahim. So now, now we understand. When we there's four different ways to commemorate the beginning of the year and that's what will be our topic will be how and why each one is appropriate for for each occasion as follows in other words so much so that it's worth it to not just have one rosh Hashanah and save everybody the masakha right save everybody the trouble okay so let's get started echad rosh okay so l'malachim we're going to go with the first of nisan that's we're going to That's what we're going to be discussing on this daf, is why we start with the first of Nisan. But the first thing that Rashi addresses is, why do you have a Rosh Hashanah l'malachim? And the answer is, as Rashi explains, it's in in Masechus Kitten. it points out that it's for shtaros. Anytime you have a shtar, right, you have a document, you say, in the year of our king. Okay, this is on such and such, on the year of our king. And then the question is, You have to have a Rosh Hashanah for the kings. That's what the Gemara will, will, will explain why it can't just be when the king ascended to the throne. The reason is because that could become very confusing. It is very important when you're writing contracts that the date be understood by all and not be, right, and, and, and be accurate. And so we needed to have an actual day in order to have standardization because of a reason that we will be discussing shortly. But be that as it may, the reason why, Rashi says, we always write in the year of our king is to have Shalom with the kings. It's third line in Rashi Mashim Shalom Malchus. Right? Anytime we were in Gaulus and, we, uh, and we had a king, we had to acknowledge that king because kings like to be acknowledged. They have this thing. I think it's an ego thing, Barry. The they need to be acknowledged. If you don't acknowledge them, they're going to be very upset. So, um, so we do that. We we uh, we comply with that, and we we mention the king in order to keep the peace. Um, so, so again, we have two considerations. We want to keep the peace, and so that's why we mention the king. But then we also want to have standardization, so we know what the exact date is, and we want to have accuracy, and that's why we have a Rosh Hashanah for that. Okay, so we'll see. Um, a little more detail on that. And then Regalim, obviously, is for the festivals. We had already seen what, what's Regalim. Rashi is going to say, wait until, Rashi says, wait until Wednesday. Okay. On uh, Dalid, we're going to uh, see why, why there's a Rosh Hashanah or Regalim. But we already had said certain things, like, for example, when you, our uh, is for Mitzia, right, when you, uh, in, in mitziyah, when you announce, Right, how many? Uh, so, for that, it's Shalosh Regalim. You have to go through three. But where does it start? There's a Havimina, right, in Bab Um that maybe it should just go by the Rosh Hashanah, and therefore you only have to declare it once if you find it in the right one of the Regalim. right? If Nissan is the beginning, so then maybe if you found it right before Pesach, you've already uh, gone through it, and that's not the Maskana. But the point is, we will see on Daftalid what is the point of saying that the Regalim start Pesach, then. Uh, Shavuos and then Sukkos as opposed to any other order. Okay. That's the first Rosh Hashanah. Then, Be'echad Be'elul You didn't know that Echad Be'elul was a Rosh Hashanah. Echad Be'elul is Rosh Hashanah the Meiser Behema. As Rashi explains, Meiser Behema there's two considerations here. Um, Number one, one one Rashi brings out the other one the Rambam brings out in the Perish Mishnah is here. Meiser Behema means that you have to take out like it sounds, right? That you have to take out a tenth out of your flock, okay? Now, the meiser behema is a situation where you're, since you're taking out of the flock, it's a little bit more difficult than taking out of the crop. Why? Because when you're doing meiser out of your crop, so then all the crop usually is coming out at once, right? The whole The whole batch is coming out in one time. But obviously behemoths. even though there may be seasons where they're giving birth, it's all over the place and you can't really tell what came out when necessarily or at least you have to keep track. So, and, and so the question is, what's the sample size? In other words, where are you getting the mice behavior from? You don't just look at the clock, and at the flock rather, and see a snapshot of the entire flock now and take mice now. The mice has to be, right, mice from this year, mice from the second year, mice from the third year, okay? So the it becomes important to keep track, and therefore, when you're talking about which year is it that we're going to be counting this flock from, so you have to actually have a starting point, because if without a starting point, there is no way to say what year it came from. That's number one. Um, the, and, and the point that the Parish of Mishnais is gonna, is gonna point out, where we're gonna talk about, uh, Lemaistim, Lashmitim, Leovas as, as we, uh, as we continue in the Mishnah, you have to also pointing out, point out that whenever it comes to what we call, right, Trumus and Maestros, you also have to note that on each year, right, you do, you bring a different type of Miser. So for example, right, on the, on the, this second year, it's going to be Miser On the third year, it's going to be Miser Oni, right? So whether you bring, my, so whether, right, this crop was from this year or the previous year has two implications, right, when it comes to crop. Either, uh, first of all, it's the implica- it's the um, ramification of it has to be all from the same year. And therefore, you're taking out the MISER from that batch. And so that is the first ramification. And the second one is who are you giving the MISER to, right? The MISER is going to be given to different entities depending on what year it's from. And the, for those two reasons, you need to have um, – you need to indicate – when that year is starting. Be that as it may, for Meisr Behema, it's the first of Elul, however, the Gemara, as Rashi uh, explains, the Gemara will discuss in Davchas what is the source of this machalokas, um, between the first of Elul and the first of Tishrei with regards to Meisr Behema. Okay. Now we get to the one that we're, uh, most familiar with, Be'echad Be'tishrei, Rosh Hashanah Lashanim. We start the years on the first of Tishrei, that's what we call Rosh Hashanah not just that, but, and this is a daf coincidence, we hit on a daf coincidence right away in our first daf, the being a shemitah year as it is, the shemitim v'lyovlos also starts in Rosh Hashanah, becomes very interesting for our sukkahs, because when you're getting the uh, esrog and the lulav, you have to figure out if it's, it has kedushah shviyas or not, right? That could be true this year. That could be true next year, also. In fact, right next year might be more problematic because you, by then, as our Mishnah says, the Shemitah turns over on Rosh Hashanah. So, when do you think your esrog is going to be from? You're going to be buying it on the I don't know, 11th. If you, even if you wait late, you're going to buy it on what the 11th or 12th of Tishrei. When do you think that? When do you think that sucker got picked off the tree? Uh, that week, maybe, but maybe not. Maybe the week before, which would mean. That it was, you know, two weeks ago, which would mean that it had been picked during uh, shemitah and has kedushas shvius. So that is something to keep an eye out for, and we will discuss at greater detail. So again, the first of Tishrei uh, is for Shonem, in yovel, the Right again, this is shemitah stuff for for the vegetables. Um, okay, as Rashi says, this is not just shemitah, but orla lenitiyah leminyan Shnei orla. Okay, and for here, he, Rashi brings out a an idea that actually is true for all of these. But just to to spell it out, says Rashi: Vafilu av be'av shnata harishon sof elul. Okay, that uh, this is how all these years work. So that that means right that even if you planted the tree in of right, so that only gives you a month and change until that first Rosh Hashanah in that counts as a full year, Kalta Shnasa, Harishona, that counts as a full year with respect to Orla, so that by the time Rosh Hashanah, what we call Rosh Hashanah rolls around, right, you're already in the second year with respect to Orla, and that would be true of all of these, right, so that if the king is coronated, as we'll see, right, uh, on Purim, as it were, so then already by Rosh Chodesh Nisan, He's going to be two weeks later into his second year of his reign. All of these, um, all of these would apply that way, and that's what Rashi, in fact, says. Right, that time and All of these we're going to explain as we go on in the gemara how that works. Okay. And now another famous one Bishvat, Rosh le'ilan, right on Rosh Chodesh Shvat, it would be a uh, that right. So so the. Bedivrei Beit Shammai. Beit Shammai don't celebrate Tu Bishvat. They celebrate Abi which has a uh, much cooler sound to it. But it's the first of Shvat, which is Rosh Hashanah Le'ilanos. What is the what is the significance of the Le'ilanos? So that is the of Paris that we were talking about, because there it goes by the Hanata. It goes by when it blossoms. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, right as Rashi says, the last Rashi in the Mishnah should be Ilan Olech Achar Hanata. and the Gemara is going to explain. What does Shvat have to do with that? But again, each one of these reasons, Barry, is going to have to be so significant that it was worthwhile to break up all of our standardization and to have a different Rosh Hashanah for each one of these events. So we better have a really good reason, which we will, and we'll discuss it in the Gemara. Be that as it may, the first of Shvat is the Sheetah of Beit Shammai, whereas Becil Omer and Shah Sarbo, Basil says that it is on to be Shvat that we have Rosh Hashanah La Ilanot. Okay. I grew up in Israel, you know, in Haifa. We used to sing on Tu Bishvat, even though it was a, even in secular schools. But to give you an idea of the uh, um, to give you an idea of the timestamp of the year that I was growing up in Israel, we used to sing which means Begin has is bald. So he was the prime minister at the time. Anyways, we thought we were very, very witty. <laughs> okay, that that so now zok the Gemara vayter. So we start with the gemara. Lamalachim. Okay, so the first of the Rosh Hashanahs that's mentioned in our mishnah is lamalachim. It's interesting. That's the first one, right? Uh, again, an homage to the kings. Fine. So the But what would be the halachic nafkamina? Why do we even need to have a Rosh Hashanah for king? Says Amar As we discussed, this has to do with the shtaros. You need to have the shtaros standardized. You need to know when. Uh, when these, uh, these dates are applying. How do we know? So did Tanan. Because we learned in a Mishnah, this is a Mishnah in Shvias of all places, Shitrei Chov hamukdamim psulin ba-mukharin Predated Shtar Chov. Okay. What's a predated Shtar Chov? So we're going to have the lender and the borrower. Andrew, you're going to have to borrow this one. Okay? You take one for the team. So Andrew's going to borrow, oh, Okay. So Andrew's going to borrow from Barry here. Okay, and and then we have a third. We have the Lakujas just walked in. Okay, so what's going to happen is like this: Andrew is going to when he when 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 Barry lends that money to Andrew, he knows that Andrew uh, can be trusted, but he's not going to take any chances. Just as a matter of uh, of course, he's going to write a star, and the right and the star is an IOU, right? Again, that Andrew owes Barry the money. Okay, now if the star is predated. Okay. If if what's happening is we're we're going to be six lines up from the bottom over here on Bezumid Aleph Natali. If the star is predated, so we'll use we'll use um our American uh, our American months. So let's say he writes January twenty let's say Barry lends Andrew the money now and he writes January twenty twenty one. Okay, so he wrote it too early. Okay. What's gonna happen is that's gonna be a problem because um over Sukkis... OK, um, over Sukkis, uh, Barry's going to want to get his money back from Andrew. But what happened is Andrew had sold property, right, to Naftali, right, over Sukkis. So again, Andrew sold Naftali, uh, property to Naftali on Sukkis. When Naftali, right, brought, brought the property and when Barry lent Andrew, and when Barry lent Andrew the money, right? He's, and he's supposed to look at Andrew's portfolio, right? So again, Andrew's liquidating right now. He wants cash on hand. So he's doing two things to get the cash. He's selling fields to Naftali, and that gives him cash, and he's borrowing more money. He's building a pool, let's be honest, right? Something's happening. He's doing a renovation. So he wants cash on hand. So he, again, he, he sold his field and he borrowed money. Now, When it's time for Andrew to pay back the money, if he doesn't have the money, Barry should be able to go to the person who he sold the field to, right, and collect it, right? That's called nechasem mishubadim. That's called lekuchos. But that would only be true if the lending was prior to the sale of the, that would only be true if the lending was prior to the sale of the field, right? If the lending was prior to the sale of the field, that means that at the time that Andrew liquidated his fields, his assets, and, and, and um, sold the field to Naftali, right, Barry had already created his Shibud, right? He already owed, Andrew already owed the money to Barry at the time that he, that he sold his fields. You cannot do that. Or if you do do that, what it means is that even when, when Naftali bought the field from Andrew, he knew that Andrew had debt. Right? He knew that Andrew already had a lien on those properties. Right. And so but that would only be true if the star said, and that's why the star is important. This is what the Gemara is saying. The star is important because the star is gonna timestamp when the lending of the money that Barry lent to Andrew took place relative to when Andrew sold his field to Naftali. So a predated star means that even though the transaction, the lending between Barry and Andrew took place after Sukkis, right, as it did this year, right, took place after the transaction with Naftali, right, it's predated. That's a problem. It's predated because what it means now is that who's going to lose that? We don't really particularly care about about Andrew here, but we care about Naftali losing his field, right? That wouldn't be fair. Naftali's going to lose his field. Barry's going to take Naftali's field. Naftali had no way of knowing that Andrew had debt because guess what? He didn't at the time of, right, at the time of, the transaction, he didn't have the date yet either. So that is why a star mukdom, a predated star, is possible. Now, a post-dated star is, is different, right? Because if he writes it too late, right? So again, the lender is writing the star. So if he writes it too early, then Naftali is going to lose out. That's a problem, right? But if Barry writes the star too late, then that's Barry's problem, right? In other words, if Barry writes the star too late, then the worst that can happen is he doesn't have the right to go and collect a field from Naftali that, that really rightfully is his because the transaction preceded, potentially, the sale to, to, to Naftali. But you see, we're not worried about that because Barry, if anything, is not, never, he's never gonna be motivated to write it too late. So if he writes it too late, that's at his own peril. Whereas if he writes it too early, that's to his advantage because predating the star. Is just increasing the possibility that he can that that Andrew had sold his field in the interim. So this is really just uh, I probably said it longer. Maybe it will take in le- less time to just read the entire big Rashi in the bottom of and Aleph, But that is saying outside what Rashi is explaining. Why is the star muktam Pasel and Meuchar Kasher? So just to summarize, if again the star is basically Barry lending Andrew money and writing a star so that he could collect it back. But if he predates it, then that can mess up, right, Naftali, and we don't allow that to happen because we care about Naftali too much, and we've cared about you this entire time, by the way, okay, as opposed to if he writes it too late, so that it's his own fault, and therefore we're not, we're gonna say that that's kosher, and therefore that is okay. Be that as it may, that is why you need to have a appropriate timestamp and not be confused on the star. Okay. So, Tanar Let's see how this works. So now that now we know why we need to say we to say what year it is of the king. So six lines up. Tanar banan. Melech she'amad be'esrim Adar. Okay, so we already said the Rosh Hashanah of kings is on Rosh Chodesh Nissan. So what if on the last day of Adar, right, which would have been the last day of year of the kings, um a king was coronated. Okay. So what happens? So this is just spelling it out for you. Kavan shigi aher ben so that's how Rosh Hashanah to the king works. That would be true of all these Rosh Hashanahs. That when the second, when, when the first of Nisan arrives the following day, we'll say that that was the first year of the king, and now already, two days later, it's the second year of our king. Good. <laughs> Right. However, if he's coronated, ascends to the throne on the first of Nisan, so then we don't count another year until he actually completes that full year. So now we're explaining what a Rosh Hashanah means. That right, even if it's a couple of days before, that's already considered the completion of his first year. However, if he starts on the beginning of Nisan, so then that is within his first year. You don't start counting the second year until he's passed the following Rosh Kodesh Nisan. So that's easy enough to understand. You have to pass that Rosh Kodesh. That's what a Rosh Hashanah is. That's marks the end of the first year, irrespective of how long he had been on the throne. Fine. Let's just see if we can examine the Braisa, says the Gemara. Amar mar. Okay, let's see. <coughs> that is just a quote of our Brysa. Says Amar Ha, as we turn to Beis and Beis at the manageable time of 6.03 a.m. Kamash Malan. That's teaching us the Nisan Rosh, Rosh, Rosh Hashanah LeMalachim. That's how you learn that the first of Nisan is in fact Rosh Hashanah LeMalachim. That's how that works, going through the mechanics. And another point, V'yom Echad Chashiv Shana, right? That which we just explained. That just one year from the previous year, so if you, if you catch it, if you ascend to the throne, on Purim, so there's only two weeks left of the year, but already by, by Pesach, he's into his second year. Good. So the Brysa said, So that's what the Brysa said, according to the Bresa, that if he ascends to the throne, let's say on Pesach, then it's not going to be considered a full year until the following Rosh Hashanah, Rosh ha, or Chodesh Nisan, says the This is obvious. This is what we've already discussed until then. The Gemara says no. Why do we have to have the b'risa spell out that which the Mishnah already taught us? What are we learning on top of that? As follows. We have to say the following. You know, even in America, we have the election, right? And then we have the president-elect until they take office, right? We have the next election day and then an inauguration day. Ah, so what if the elections are in Adar? And it's already signed and sealed. You have your president elect on Purim. But he the coronation, the inauguration is on Pesach. So which would you say is the first year of our king? The year he was elected or the year he was inaugurated? So he says, Lo, so adar that's the case. He was elected in Purim. Mao de Taimanimla Tartin shnin." You might have thought that it goes based off of the election. No. That it doesn't go based on the election, but based rather on the coronation. On the inauguration, the day he takes office, ah, the day he ascends to the throne, and so that is what we're, we're we're learning. Right means that that's when you start counting from. That's why you need that extra um, little clause in the brisa. Okay, so now we're going to learn a related brisa that basically teaches us a uh, very similar idea as follows. Right, We know that when we have kings, I'll give away Rashi already now, so that you don't wonder why we're learning the same thing over and over again. We're talking about here, as Rashi explains, about the succession of kings based off of what? Based off of lineage. So that adds a little extra layer of Havamina, because we already know who the next king is gonna be. So you don't really have the same election, even though there's still a Senate, and they're still electing, as Birnbaum points out, it's kind of like we already know who's going to get it. So let's see what the case is. Okay. So the first king dies and he dies on Purim. On, in Adar. Mm-hmm. And then, you know that I'm not saying Purim because it says Purim. I'm just picking a date in Adar. Good, okay. So the first king dies, let's say, on Purim. And, and sure enough, they coronate the next king right away. So that becomes very interesting for Shtaros. That's important to know because after all, Right? If it's going to say, let's say the first king is Julian and the next king is Caesar. Right? So Caesar succeeds Julian. So you're going to say, we are in the fifth month in the year of Julian. Or you could write, we're in the fifth month in the year of Caesar and both of those shtaros would look very different, wouldn't they? But they would both be valid. That's important to note. Both kings get right, can be counted as the year for that king. How are you going to avoid confusion? How does that work? So the truth of the matter is, because you're just going to know, right, that that year could be our other king. Again, it's not going to say the first year. It says what year of the king it is. So let's say the first king ruled for 18 years before he died. So you say the 18th year of Julian, or you could say the first year of Caesar, right? And everybody will know that which year it is, that those two are really actually the same because during that year, Julian passed away or, you know, left office and Caesar came in. So that's not really going to be confusing, right? Because it's not going to say the same year. It's just going to say the 18th of one or the first of the other. That works just fine. Okay. That's if he dies before Nisan. That's perfect. Okay. What about Mace Nisan Nisan? Most So it would work the other way as well. In other words, if let's say let's say um, Julian survived until Nisan. So so the Star will either say the nineteenth year of the reign of Julian or the first year of the reign of Caesar. And that's what that means. Monin means that both Staros are valid. Okay. What about Mais Nisan? Interesting cases, right? So let's say Julian died on Purim and the Ascension to the throne of Caesar was not until Pesach. So now Larishon Rishon So now obviously it didn't happen in the same year, right? Because Rosh Hashanah is on Rosh Nissan, Nisan. So the nineteenth or the eighteenth rather year in the reign of Julian will be right the year uh, that ended in, in that just ended, and the first year of the reign of Caesar is not going to be the same year. But everyone is going to understand it's going to be the following year, right? Because the two events were separated by Rosh Chodesh Nissan. The, the, right, the leaving of office of Julian took place at the end of his 18th year of reign. And then Caesar started on the next year. So that's okay. Because again, it will not con- create confusion with Shtoros. Everybody knows that Caesar took the throne after Rosh Hashanah Lomalachim on the following year. So all of this works out well. However, as the Gemara says, on each of these, we're going to make a comment. So now we're going to pick this price apart, right? Because we have the three cases. First case was um, that the transition took place on Adar. Second case was the transition took place on Nisan. And the third case is that the transition took place between and the king died in Adar and the next king took place in Nisan. So we're going to go through each one. So, Says the Gemara, right? After all, both kings ruled that year. What would be the problem of, note, of, of marking it off that way? So the Gemara answers, that you can't count a single year for two kings, that you can. Right? So the first part of the Bryce says teaching you the first fundamental thing, which is what we already discussed, which is that you might have thought that it's very confusing to say that the 18th year in the reign of Julian is the same thing as the first year in the reign of Caesar. Kamashmalan, it's not confusing. It's fine. Right? That's what Rashi says. Right? That, that when that happens, you can actually write the start either way and nobody will get confused. Okay. Says the second case of the Bryson. That should also be Pashit. Once you could say that when they're both, when the transition happens in other, you can write the year for both. So why would you think that when they when the transition happens in Nissan, that you can't write the year for both. That should also uh, work just the same way. Says the says the Gemara. No, yom echad shana You might have had the hava that this whole idea of uh, saying that you can con- transition in the end of the year and say the 18th, right, what we just said, that you can write Starus two different ways and it could still be considered a complete year, you might have thought that that would only apply if the transition happens towards the end of the year. But in the beginning of the year, it may not work, which is to say if the king dies like on uh, the second or third of Nisan, and then as the transition happens then, you would say that you don't say that. What would be the Hava amina? So there, both Tosvos and this is the Taf Tosvos, um, over there, um, on and We would have thought that what? That if you start on the first and the beginning of the year, all the more so, you should be able to say that this is for sure the first of the, uh, new king. And so it's the 19th year of Julian, which we all know, but it's the first of the year of of Caesar and why would that be more problematic on the contrary right this is even a greater uh, it makes more sense that both stars would already uh, be good on that day because after all you'll have more of the year to acknowledge that this was the first of the reign of Caesar like to say that because again that when you have the idea of Rosh Hashanah To say that Caesar ruled for a full year and now he's in his second year when he took over the day before Rosh Hashanah is a Kiddush in its own right. Right? So, to say that the first year is an even bigger Kiddush than to say that it's the first of the year Caesar when he's actually already been king for the majority of that year. So that's what Tosos is pointing out. That you would think Kalvachomer, if the event of transition happened at the beginning of the year, you would have thought all the more so that it would actually work to have both Shtaros. And yet, why do we need to have an extra Kiddush after, after having already learned that if the transition on Adar Takes, takes place on Adar, that we can write two stars. Why would we have to learn the same for when transition takes place in Nisan, says the Gemara, Kamash Malan, that no, what's the answer? So the Mefarshim explained the answer is like this, that again, our concern is not how long the king was king, nor is our concern really to give the king credit for how many years he reigned. That's not what we're concerned with. Yes, we're writing the year of the king in order to pay homage to the king. But our concern is to have accurate shtaros. And after all, accurate shtaros, you're you're more likely to make a mistake, okay, if you are actually in the beginning of the year than you are at the end of the year, right? Just like we know in our own right, when we write a check, right? So you'll write 2021 for like a few weeks until, until you realize, oh, it's 2022 already, right?